In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory. We continue this Sunday in the Feast of Theophany. We continue with the Feast of Illumination, of Light. With the Feast of Nativity, we had the light breaking forth from the cave, a light that brought a star to bring the wise men from the east, a light that brought the angels to rejoice, for now they had seen what the plan had been from the before the creation. And then we've come now to Jordan, and we've come to where our Lord, as an adult, submits himself to John the Baptist and is baptized, and the heavens open up. A dove descends, and the voice of the Father declares Christ to be his Son. This morning in the Gospel reading, we hear of the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. When we think of illumination, when we think of light, we tend to think maybe of baptism, which is absolutely correct. We tend to think of maybe of transfiguration. We tend to think of a kind of moral purity, a a glory that shines forth from God that he has allowed us as his creatures to participate in. But I want us to also think about what it means as we greet a newly baptized Christian, that they now have been part illumined, that they are now a part of those who have been illuminated. What has been illuminated is the darkness of their mind. They have come to have knowledge. They have come to understand something that they did not understand before and have submitted themselves to this truth. For they have been illuminated with the truth of Jesus Christ. And the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of his Father, unoriginate Father, and of the Holy Spirit. This is, as we sing in the Traparion, what we uh, rejoice in at Theophany. The epistle reading this morning allows us to think a little bit deeper about this knowledge and what it means for us to have received knowledge from God. This is a a beautiful epistle to be matched for the Sunday after Theophany because we have described in the epistle, and I encourage you to read it, it's Ephesians 4, 7 through 13, when you have a chance later today or this week, as St. John Chrysostom encourages us after we've heard the sermon on a Sunday to go home in our families and to talk about the scriptures that were preached upon, and maybe a comment here or there about the homily. Oh boy. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 7 through 13, we have Paul describing for us The grace that has been given to all of us in our illumination and the gift of salvation. And he describes it from a passage from the Old Testament. For Christ has ascended on high. And in ascending on high, he's talking about his ascension into the heavens and sitting at the right hand. He led captivity captive. I love 
that phrase, captivity captive. He's led death. He's led the, the one that held us captive. He has captured it as spoils from war, and he's brought it, and now he's giving gifts to men. Now, Paul also says, now he is ascended. So what does it mean if he's ascended, but that he also first descended? We are now in the midst of the feast of dissension, if you will. That Christ has lowered himself, that he's been born. Now he is lowering himself into the waters of baptism. And we will, in a way, actually, in February 2nd, complete uh, a descent and ascent where our Lord will be entering into the temple. We have a kind of parallel with nativity, theophany, and entry into the temple as we do with the passion, entry into Jerusalem, the passion, the, the resurrection, and then later with the ascension where he enters into the throne room of God the Father. He has descended and now ascended and he's given gifts. To some, he's given the gift to be an apostle, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what are these people for? What are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for? They're for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. They are for illuminating the body of Christ. They are for teaching. They are for the, as Paul says here, equipping the saints. For it is not Paul's idea of what the church is, is not the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are kind of uh, the ones who do the work, but that they are the ones who are the ones giving for every single member of the body the gift that Christ has given to them, whatever that gift is. But underlying all of this is knowledge. We are all being equipped for the work of ministry till we come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. And verse 14, which is a little bit beyond, but I wanted to include it from today's reading. Why is this? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But we in the church speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Brothers and sisters, we who have been baptized, who are being equipped by the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are to have put away, as Paul says somewhere else, childish things. We're to no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Again, an issue of knowledge, what we are supposed to know. Doctrine, understanding what the church teaches about things, is something that is a responsibility, a duty for the bishops. It's a duty and responsibility that God has placed, as we have just talked about, pastors and teachers, and for those of us who are to hear, listen, and study. There is not a division of labor where there are some who study, some who attend to doctrine, and then others who do not. 
We all, having been illuminated by Christ and holy baptism, and being equipped by those who might have particular gifts, are to understand so that we can do the full work of our particular ministry, for we all have ministries. But what's the challenge here? Well, I will say at least two challenges here. One of the challenges is that doctrine can seem something kind of esoteric, something not practical, something that maybe I'll get to at some other time. But I know the basics, right? And by basics, usually we set the bar pretty low. I know who Jesus Christ is. He's fully God. He's fully man. I know that we uh, glorify Father, Son, and Holy Trinity. Please don't ask me to explain that at all. Uh, And maybe a few other things. But is it incumbent upon us to grow into the full knowledge of the Son of God that we study that we apply ourselves to the study of, of study of holy scripture to even the study of particular fathers now today we have commemorated for us saint gregory of nyssa and saint theophon the recluse some of us might be very strongly drawn to saint gregory of nyssa where's father stephen father stephen would be very drawn to saint gregory of nyssa i know he is others of us Maybe not wanting to delve into 4th century Greek or the way in which he speaks is a little bit too much. Theophon is somebody much closer to us. Somebody, a 19th century Russian, who uh, lives in, as we could say broadly, lives in the modern world. And his works are something accessible to us. They're not 40 or $50 tomes from academic presses like some of Gregory Nyssa's work. But we can access it, we can read it, and it is something that helps us to understand who God is, and then specifically what I am supposed to be doing in being illumined, that I may continue to be illumined, that I may be able to fight the good fight. For the doctrines that I'm talking about, again, are not esoteric. These are things that help us in the basic ways in which we engage with each other, that we fight and or focus on God in the midst of anxiety and stress. Because if we believe who God the Father is, we believe in his providence, that is something that builds us up, that encourages us, that is something that we can contemplate and know and trust in, because we've seen it in scripture, we've seen it in the lives of the saints, we sing about it, But we also then can contemplate how in our own lives these things have come true. Part of the challenge is that if we don't study, we will be like children. We will be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We just won't know that we're being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We'll just kind of accept it that this is the way it is. And when we don't study and apply ourselves to the knowledge of the faith, we allow all sorts of other things to possibly clutter or grow in its place. For we all want knowledge. We all, if you maybe say, well, I'm not a scholar. What is he talking about? Well, 
who studies statistics, uh, baseball, football, who pays attention and can tell you and go back, or car parts, or uh, recipes, or all sorts of things, how to guard it. We all study things. We all apply ourselves with great... uh, Well, not even just one thing. We'll study many, many, many things. But then we won't pick up scripture, or we won't pick up a Holy Father or a spiritual reading, and we get tossed to and fro. One of the great challenges for us right now, if we don't apply ourselves to these things, and it shows in what Paul is talking about. In Paul's epistle, he tells us that you, if you're tossed to and fro, I mean, just imagine, you can go back to a water image, being tossed to and fro by every doctrine, that there's the trickery of men and the craftiness of deceitful plotting. It is the exact opposite of the unity and the stability that it is to be illuminated in the church by those who have come to the knowledge of God. And so I'll choose one thing. I could choose a few things, but one place and where this can really get out of hand, where we uh, apply ourselves and learn all sorts of things, and it brings all sorts of being tossed about, Politics. Politics is something that can become for us a religion. In fact, I would say even now, just because, partly because of social media and all of these things, there are certain aspects of politics that literally become a religion. I speak of something like QAnon or some of these other uh, theories that float around. That, as I saw in one interview with one person this past week, that it's like going to church to go to a rally. Now, this is also, if you're saying, oh, he's starting to go in a certain direction. Well, this past year, let's just think about other examples. If we go through the rioting that's happened this past year, we have all of these demonstrations and they end up doing things like washing each other's feet, taking moments of silence. We all want and desire something to fill the void. And so politics, if we don't fill it with the study of scripture and doctrine and our own spiritual fights, it's a vacuum and it's going to fill itself. And politics offers itself a way of salvation. We have an enemy. We have somebody to fight. We have somebody to uh, talk about uh, at the water cooler, at coffee hour. And it can just toss us to and fro. It can cause so much chaos. And it, especially in the past few years, has caused so much grief. Families that won't talk to each other anymore. Situations, violence that keeps growing. This doesn't mean that things are important. That we shouldn't fight for truth or for freedom or for some of these lofty ideals this, this country wants to at least point to. But we in the church have been illuminated. We have been spread with the truth of love. And it's my responsibility as a priest in equipping the saints for the work of ministry to remind us of what the prize is, what the goal is, what we should be filling our time and our life with. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, the study of scripture, our own particular spiritual warfare. And there's spiritual warfare that happens all around us. 
but you are responsible for your own soul. You're not responsible for somebody maybe elected or someone somewhere else. You can pray for them. Please pray for them. We pray for them every single service. But we need to make sure that we are not tossed to and fro, that we do not bring this chaos too quickly and hold it within our hearts because it doesn't breed any of the fruit of the Spirit. Growing up into the fullness of Christ, as Paul speaks here, means stability. It means unity because we are united around the purpose and illumination of Jesus Christ. This will also lead us in our studying to further understand what it is for us to repent of. It is hard to come to confession. I have to go to confession too. (laughs) I have to battle with the same things that you all do. I am no different. I'm sure that you know that. But the way for me to repent and for you to repent, if we don't put ourselves in scripture, don't see ourselves as James talks about looking into the mirror, being able to see what it is clearly that we are struggling with. Because otherwise we don't really know what we're struggling with. We don't really know that we're being tossed to and fro. We don't really know we're just kind of in a funk or we don't know how to pray. We don't want to pray. And yet there's these gigantic things that we are carrying around that we don't even really realize because we haven't looked into the mirror of Scripture. That we haven't spent time in the fathers that help us understand what the virtues that we need to be growing by the power of the Holy Spirit and the vices that we need to be attacking, ripping out. As our Lord says, the violent take the kingdom. Now, he did not mean physical violence. He meant serious spiritual attention to what we have to do in our fight against sin. Our God has illuminated us. Our God has brought us into true knowledge. Our God further wants to bring us into unity, that we may grow into the fullness of the stature and the knowledge of God, unity with each other, unity within ourselves, so that we may become one with him and therefore shine as the city on the hill to all those around us, bringing them with us, so that he who has ascended on high has descended to bring us up with him to to himself may bring us along so that we may stand together at the throne, giving glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.